This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everybody. Well, it's been said that well-behaved women rarely make history, but it also can be challenging for women to shake the stereotype that being assertive makes them difficult. My guest today, Karen Carbo, celebrates women who may be seen as difficult, but are, in fact, spirited rule breakers who charted their way with little regard for social or cultural expectations. Karen's book, In the Praise of Difficult Women, can serve as an inspiration for all of us who seek to live an authentic life on our own terms. So grateful to have Karen with us today. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Erica. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I I really am so grateful to have you with us because I I love your messaging and, uh, you know, I I did a little bit of uh, reading about all the things that you have done and you you really are multiple award-winning novels and memoirs and, and I think you just authentically really like this this kind of dialogue about women and I know that you're a, a voice for this you know generation so um, tell us a little bit about how you became a writer writing about this and a little bit about your your life your start into this uh, this world of um, memoirs and novels well I, I would be thrilled to you know I mean I think the thing is it's, it's writers write when they want to learn something I think sometimes we think that writers are writing because we are we have this font of wisdom and we're we're you know sharing it with the world and certainly we hope that that's the outcome but mostly writers are questers and seekers and mm-hmm. um, I have been interested in the stories of women really since literally before I could read my parents had a subscription to National Geographic magazine and um, it was sort of Jane Goodall had kind of launched on the scene, and I remember looking at the pictures of Jane in Africa with the chimps and Mm -hmm. really thinking, I want to live an exciting life like that. I want to live a life of adventure and fulfillment. Mm. Um, And so I always, you know, I consumed those stories about Amelia Earhart and, um, oh, I think Annie Oakley, you know, there were all these kind of of little books that I had as a girl. Um, And then... Um, when I was a freshman in college and 17 years old, my mother died quite suddenly. Oh, and um, as it turned out, I was an only child. And as it turned out, I was also at that moment in my life, the oldest woman in my family. Uh-huh. Um, I had some older male cousins, but I had no aunts and grandmas and, and you know, it was me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I found myself really sort of finding solace in these these biographies of women like Martha Gellhorn and Josephine Baker. And at the time, Frida Kahlo was really sort of enjoying, like, you know, the first, um, you know, she, she had really been rediscovered because, of course, when she had died, she was just the little wife of muralist Diego Rivera. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I sort of, uh, you know, was inspired by all these women. And it has been a lifelong quest to, to read about women and, and sort of how they did it, how they were authentically human how they occupied the full measure of their humanity and managed to have glorious, exciting lives and also, incidentally, kind of progress the culture forward as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think I, I relate to you so much and, and, and feel always felt like um, 
you know, I had to change the narrative a little bit or challenge the narrative of what society had maybe told me or the messaging I got in my family or how women should be and when, when you should hit these milestones and this and that, you know, whereas I, I was, I felt like a free spirit. And I think a lot of women too want the freedom at least to choose, you know, what they, what they want to do with their lives and not feel so pigeonholed. But I think a lot of that comes with the awareness of the narrative. So do, do you, do you see that too in your life and in, you know, people that you, you know, and work with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting, Erica, because I have a daughter in her early twenties and, um, the idea that, that even though it looks a little different than it did when I was coming up, but sort of there are the same kind of pressures and expectations and Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. quest that all women have to sort of figure out, you know, who am I, what do I want? what kind of, what is going to fulfill the, the all of me as well as, you know, being in relationships and, and so on and so forth. I think it's, you know, it seems like every, every generation has their own, their own struggle. And, and one of the things that, that I hope to convey, and I have to tell you one of the most gratifying things as I've gone out with the book is when young women come in droves and, Mm. you know, they're, they're looking for these stories of people that they, they can emulate. And, you know, it's wonderful that we have hashtag Times Up mm-hmm. and hashtag Me Too, and right. and you know these women in the in the public eye are coming forward, and it's great to have a manifesto and a call to action. But at the end of the day, we all wake up in the morning and brush our teeth, mm-hmm. and then have to figure out how do we inhabit our lives? What are the choices we're going to make? How are we going to interact with people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, since I've been writing this book, I was one of those women that if someone bumped into me, I would say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I don't want to do that anymore. I was just standing there. It's not my fault that you bumped into me. And I think, like I said, just on a very kind of granular level, figuring yeah. out how to go forward is something right. that we get when we read stories of other women. I love that. And I totally agree. And and I think the awareness comes when we read stories like, oh, I do that too. Or maybe I should change my language in my own head and not say sorry for what I'm really not sorry. And, you know, and you're right. I think it's like these teeny tiny little things over and over and over and over and over and over that start to weigh on our psyche and then allow us to feel like shame or, um, you know, or right. we should, we shouldn't be doing this or a woman shouldn't do that. Or, I mean, God forbid, or, you know, I mean, I was raised in a family where a uh, very old, old country European and that, you know, with a lot of messages around, well, men can do this, but women can't do that, you know? Right. And, um, even yeah. though my mother was very empowering and she's a businesswoman and she's, she does, you know, she does anything she wants. She's a, she's a real, like, you know, a force. Um, but she had to still challenge, you know, the, the narratives around how she was raised. So, you know, it's, 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 it's so histrionic. I feel like this comes from so many generations that we just, just have to be aware. And, and also, you know, I like to think that if we could all, I mean, one of the things that I aimed for in this book, there's 29 yeah. women and I Let's wanted it to it. be diverse in terms of all the ways that we think of diversity. You know, I wanted to be cool. to be across ethnicities and and race and and you Fantastic. know gender identification and sexuality mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but I also wanted a, a, a broad range of personalities because I feel like we can all kind of step into our more difficult nature without having to like do anything special. It's just 
seeing other women who maybe we relate to. Oh, she's a little introverted. Oh, look, this person's a doer. Oh, this person's a talker. This person's a creator. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- this person this person is involved in social work. Like, I don't think we have to do anything. I think we have to sort of take off the corset of that cult- cultural expectation or the spanks to, to update my reference. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that, that, that most of us are just being constrained. It's not that we yeah. have to... Uh, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, in, have a self improvement regime. I think we just have to allow, you know, figure out how to be a bit freer in in the full expression of our humanity, which is sometimes yeah. difficult. Thank you for listening to Rewired Radio, and now a word from our wonderful sponsors, Professional Revenue Recovery Services. With the ever changing landscape of private insurance reimbursement. The challenges of maintaining the health of your revenue cycle may seem insurmountable. From complicated billing and clinical guidelines to changing fee structures and more, today's behavioral health providers need an ally to help optimize the revenue cycle and ensure the stability and security of the revenue so that they can focus on providing quality care for their clients. My sponsor, PRRS, is a full-service revenue cycle management company that specializes in serving the behavioral health community. They offer traditional billing and collection services, as well as utilization management, verification of benefits, training, and consultation. Additionally, they offer transitional and support services for facilities looking to self-manage their own revenue cycle. For more information on Professional Revenue Recovery Solutions, PRRS, Go to www.prrsinc.com or to speak to a revenue management expert, you can call them at 1-888-405-3118. I want to talk about your book in the praise of difficult women, but and, and I want to hear more about what you have to say about this, but, I, but don't you feel like a lot of the times... Uh, maybe maybe writing your book you you discovered this too there's at some point in these uh, people's lives you know they felt if they show their true selves or they take off a mask of some kind then maybe they're not going to be lovable or maybe they're not going to be worthy of something else yeah. and, and and until we see that we yeah. can really stand in our own truths and that's what makes us so unique that that is where I, I success not not you know monetary success but success in terms of feeling right. like fulfilled in life comes from doesn't it Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of uh, sometimes our more destructive behavior comes from being too afraid to actually, you know, step into our true nature and risk sort of upsetting people. Right. You know, that we we kind of twist and contort our personalities to such a degree that eventually we start acting out or we start doing self-destructive things. Right. Um, that wind up being more destructive than if we had just spoken our truth, mm, upset yes. whoever it is that we upset. And, yeah. um, you know, and that's something else, like one of the things that I, I, so, I do so admire about men. And it's been interesting because when I've talked to audiences with men in the audience and I say this and they all kind of look at me and they kind of beam a little bit and they, they nod, is that um, so many of my male friends, you know, if they have some kind of an altercation with somebody or they have an argument, you know, they're very much, they're thinking, you know what, I'm going to wait till he cools off and then we'll talk or, you know, he'll get over it. Or, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I think women, if we perceive that we've created some kind of discord or conflict, Mm -hmm. our impulse is to rush in 
and mm. fix it quickly so that right. no one has to, you know, so that somebody else doesn't have to sort of sit with that discomfort or anger right. or unsettledness. Right. And I think, exactly. you know, just if a little bit, we speak our truth and we let someone be a little upset for a little while like that, that is a good, a good thing to practice. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, I think that's just changing the way that we, you know, view those kinds of things. I, you know, was raised with, with kind of, uh, my father didn't really mean to, you know, plant the seed, but kind of raised like women, you know, shouldn't nag. Women shouldn't complain. Don't be like other women be, you know? And so for me, it took me so long in my own adult relationships to actually stand up and say, Hey, you know what? That didn't feel great when you said that, or I didn't appreciate this. And it took so long, but I, and I realized, Oh wow, that's where that came from. Um, and, and, and have to, and to choose that, that I don't, I no longer want to live by that narrative that, that I'm allowed to speak up and, and, you know, and, I changed everything once once I did that but you know I think a lot of people out there and and as women feel like we've got these uh, messages at some point that we we should kind of examine right. yeah right and I think the other thing too to to sort of add on to that and it's it's great that that you know you you became aware of that um is that a lot of times for me personally if I don't just say what I'm thinking or you know if I have you know I wind up getting angry Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. sometimes it's easier for us to access like anger and rage, and then we cry mm-hmm. and we have all these emotions than just saying, I'm not going to do this. Or, you know what, the answer is no. Or, right. you know, whatever it is that we feel like we don't want to say because it's going mm-hmm. to cause some conflict, then right. we wind up getting angry. And, if, and a whole other thing, like I said, it just it's just sometimes if we just own it and say it and don't, exp- you know, never complain, never explain. Which is, I think, uh, the Elizabeth Taylor way of living. Um, yeah, you know, it just winds up Very making, making things, yeah. things much easier for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, in the, in praise of the difficult, of difficult women, um, when did this come out and where could everybody find it? Tell us how it's going. Oh, um, you know, it's been out. Um, it came out at the at the tail end of February, I think, in celebration oh, of Women's History Month. Yeah, um, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, Mother's Day, and many many kick ass women are graduating from college soon. Yeah, so that's true. Present. Um, hopefully, you will find it in a large display at an independent bookstore owned by women. But <laughs> if not, um, you know, Barnes and Noble, and of course, Amazon is at our fingertips. Yes. Uh, so any of those places. Yeah. And and do you feel like as you meet as you meet, you know, women that have read your books and have you know, read your writing or read this book, did they did they um seem to feel um like someone else understands them? Like is this, you know, is this kind of like an an experience of of getting the okay to live our lives? I mean, I feel like that is from what I know about you, you know, something I, which yeah, you mess yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I've had um it's really interesting, the reading experience, because it's 29 separate personal essays, some people, yeah. you know, they sit down and they read it straight through, and some people read a chapter a night. It's like more than, more. like I want to say a dozen people have, have reached out to me, and they say, every night before I go to bed, I read one essay. That's so cool. So that's a sort of an yeah. interesting approach. So yes, I do feel very much, um, you know, what I'm hoping for is that people, you know, you learn something kind of cool about these women, you know, we are all 
always the daughters of the time in which we were born and raised, you know, and we mm-hmm. can't forget that. So I love, I, I like to think that maybe I'm also contextualizing some things. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times we have mothers and grandmothers and we kind of can't make sense of the way that they think. But, you know, they, they right. were just raised in the time they were raised in as well. Like they're a victim of of yeah. their own time and the misogyny sure. and their the expectations of their parents as well. And I think that that also kind of helps us give them a little bit of slack um, yeah. in the way that I hope my daughter is going to give me a little bit of slack. <laughs> so, of course. Um, no, it's, it's been hugely gratifying. It really has been. I bet. I bet. I mean, you know, as, as, you know, as, as my life has unfolded in many, I've, I have a lot of clients. I'm a writer too. I have, I have a book called Rewired that is uh, been published and right. another one coming out and I do counseling. And so I do counseling with a lot of women and a lot of younger women in their twenties. And, and I feel like, um, you know, this is a whole nother, <laughs> you come back for another show on this, but I feel like a lot of, a lot of issues with technology in this generation and women and, and a lot of, um, eating disorders, depression, anxiety, um, you know, it's, it's changed a lot with, um, what I see in my, my, um, private practice that, you know, it's, a lot of comparing, a lot of instant, they really need have. instant liking. I mean, it's very different from the way I was raised, you know, it's just, you know, the time is changing so rapid. And I think, um, it's just something to be aware of and to have these conversations about, especially like somebody your daughter's age and, and, you know, this generation, the younger generation. Yeah, no, I don't envy them. I mean, you know, the, the time yeah. where you can just be by yourself in your own head with your own interests, like it, yeah. it, it, it's you have to really be mindful about carving out that kind of time and the yeah. way the internet and, and all of the reward system is structured you know to get us to keep clicking and checking and looking i mean that you know it's it's extraordinarily difficult and complex it is um, it is and i feel like awesome but i yeah yeah, yeah. no i just feel more than ever too this like there's so much um messaging around the way women should be, um, sexuality wise right now too. I, I, I was in our little town and, uh, where I live and, and there was this girl that was a high school kid and she was wearing, I mean, not that people didn't wear provocative things, but she was wearing very short shorts, a short top. She looked like, she, you know, and I think she was taking pictures with friends and they were Snapchatting and it was just, it was just so provocative. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, they're all encouraged to kind of do this. And, you know, not every, right. not every teenager, but I think it's more than I remember. It's just a very interesting time. Well, and also it can be, as you said, it can be sent around the world in a, in a click. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and I think a lot of, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, you're the expert, Erica. I'm not the expert, <laughs> but it feels like they don't know, like they have, they don't know how loaded it, this all is, you know? Right. It, right. They, exactly. They see these images and they're imitating them without really thinking about the full ramifications because they just, yes. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I worry you're for right. them. <laughs> I know. I know. I do too, but you're doing your part. And so am I. So we'll, we'll at least get to a couple of them, you know? Let's, yeah, um, yes, exactly. Oh, wow. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm, I'm so happy to have you, uh, and, and to discuss in praise of difficult women, everybody go out there to an independent bookstore owned by a woman or Amazon Barnes and Noble <laughs> and pick up Karen Carbo's book today. Thank you for, for being with us. Thank you so much, Erica. I had a great time. Uh, you're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us. And go to karencarbo.com. Stay well.